the Oasis Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Philippians 4, 10-23 How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then travelled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you their greetings. And all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Good morning, friends. Good morning, everyone in the room, whether you're downstairs, upstairs, and everyone who's joining us online. Um, It's just good to be together and Thank you, Sarah, for reading scripture over us. It just always does my heart good just to hear scripture just read and you kind of receive it afresh. Um, Man, wasn't it good hearing William share as well? I don't know about you, do you feel like, yeah, yeah, what a privilege of what we get caught up in. Uh, Like we're not coincidental to what's going on in the world. No, no, Jesus has called you here in order that we would make a difference. Uh, And we have this amazing message which we've been looking at through this a letter written to a church in Philippi through entitled Philippians, where we're discovering that our message is Jesus is enough, full stop. No ands, no buts. Jesus is enough for you and for me. And I don't know about you, but um, it's just on my heart good. Like we've been camped out in this letter for three months, I've been reading it in between, and it's just doing me good. And my hope is that as we get to this final part today, before we start Advent next week, um, and expect the wonder of Jesus coming and expecting his return, we get to just camp out in this last bit of Philippians and I want to see that Jesus is enough within our circumstances. And that is good news. It is good news. But before we get there, I just want to pose a question just to kind of keep us like in the room and keep us slightly connected. Uh, and I want us to just vote with our hands on this. You see, I, 
How do you say thanks? That's my question. How do you say thanks? My guess is that we have many moments. Maybe it's through an act of service someone does to us. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement someone brings us. Maybe it's a gift or, uh, that someone gives us. And in that moment, we kind of respond with thanks. And I don't know how you do that. Like, put up your hand if you're someone who writes a card to express thanks. Anyone in the room? There's a few. There's a kind of a smattering. Is that a word? Probably not. It is. Richard says it is. Normally I make up words. Um, so a smattering of people who write cards. What about who like just seeks to, I don't know, like send a text? A few more. A few more. What about those of us who um, like find the person and just want to in person just express our thanks? Like those. There's a few. Now, can I just ask a question? Because I've kind of given us, I felt like, three clear ways of thanks, but it didn't feel like everyone responded. So is that gap of the other groups, do we just not say thank you? Um, because I guess um, in this moment, I'd probably want to just encourage us. Maybe we could do that. Maybe we could express our thanks. Uh, or maybe there's another way you're doing it that isn't that. Maybe it's through mime. I don't know. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, through some kind of device. Maybe it's through telepathy that you're just thinking, like, you know, they'll, they'll get this. I don't know what it is. For Paul, what we discover in these verses is an expression of his thanks. Thanks to the church in Philippi. And there's a danger we can see it with our Western eyes and think, well, it doesn't seem like he's saying thank you. He seems to be just like talking about not their gift and saying kind of, hey, look, I'm okay anyway. Or, hey, let's just praise God. There's like a way in which he's writing that in the day and age he's writing in actually expressed a deep love for the church in Philippi. There's a way of expressing friendship that was talking about kind of receiving and giving and giving and receiving. You see, in his thanks, he's kind of taking a moment to just reveal again his deep friendship and partnership with the church. That's what he's wanting to do. He's also taking a moment to kind of honor their generosity. I say, like, like, what you've done is amazing. But, but in it, it kind of continuously points to the fact that all of these things always cause him then to just honor God. So he can't help but go, oh, yeah, this gift, it was amazing. It provided me, and it causes me to just thank God. Because God ultimately is the one who's using you to care for me. But within his thanks, he also uses a moment to just express, like a way in which he's seeking to live that he wants the church in Philippi to get hold of. He wants us, as we hear it afresh today, to get hold of. That is something he's been pointing to throughout the whole of his letter. And you find it in verses uh, 11 to 13. And it's kind of like the foundation of how Paul lives his life. And he says this, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul states, regardless of his outward circumstances, remember he's writing from prison, not like we know in this day and age, one where like, He's not provided for, he's just locked up, and he's being provided by outside people coming and caring for him. He's like living utterly not in control of his destiny. 
And he said, yeah, even in this place, I've kind of found this way of being contented. And he says that this way that he's found to be content, to not be consumed by his circumstances, but rather to know this deep sense of contentment within it, isn't like he's found this kind of higher way of living within himself. It isn't through him denying kind of his outward circumstances. Rather, it's in him saying, actually, what I found is that I can know contentment because of Jesus and because of the strength that Jesus gives me in every and any circumstance. And his desire is that not just for him that he would live this way, but his way of modeling it is saying, yeah, to the church in Philippi, hey, whatever circumstances you're living in, whether it feels like everything's going your way or you're wanting everything to change, actually, Jesus is there for you. He can bring strength to you. There's a way of knowing contentment within that. He's saying it to us now today. Maybe a different way we could express it is this. He says, within your circumstances, no. Jesus is enough, full stop. That's what he's come to know, that in everything that is going on, Jesus is enough, full stop. Like increasingly, I just find myself within the complexities that our lives can have. And as I'm talking to people and they're expressing like the pain or the joy, it's like saying, <clears throat> sorry, slight chest infection that just keeps rearing its head, that I find myself just continuously pointing at people and saying, yeah, but within this, just know Jesus is enough. Because when you discover Jesus is enough, it suddenly transforms if you're living in a moment where you have lots. It transforms when you feel like you're living with need. You see, sometimes this scripture has been kind of misrepresented. And it's kind of being portrayed in this way of, oh yeah, what, pro- what the promise is here is prosperity. Like what Jesus is going to do is he's always going to cause your life to be one that prospers, that you're going to find, that, oh yeah, it feels like you're in one, oh don't worry, you're going to get everything you need and everything you want. Gold watches, fast cars, it's all going to be yours. That's not what Paul's pushing to, it's not what Jesus is offering. Nor is it a poverty mentality where we start to think, oh yeah, what I need to do is rid myself of everything. And how I show that Jesus is enough is I kind of get rid of everything. No, no, that's not what Paul's pointing to here. It's what Jesus is offering here. It's actually saying, no, I'm going to cause you to know this way of living, that regardless of what else is going on, you realize that Jesus is enough, full stop, and that redefines, reorientates, gives this perspective on everything else that's going on. And that's good news. Because sometimes circumstances can feel like they're overwhelming us. Sometimes circumstances can feel like we get consumed by, oh yeah, look what I've got, I feel quite comfortable. And what this message does, it says, I don't know, our comfort isn't in the external, it's in Jesus. Our concern within our circumstances and all that Lucy looked at last week is actually, no, no, Jesus wants to come and meet with us in order that we know he is enough in that moment. See, last Sunday evening, I get to this point and heard all that Lucy shared yesterday morning, thinking this is really good. And then just like a catalog of things happened within my afternoon of lots of different things that I'm living with. I'm not going to detail it at this point in time because it's not important, actually. 
But what the result was is by kind of 8, 8.30 p.m., I just felt consumed by my circumstances. And what I found is, as I found myself being consumed by my circumstances, I felt suffocated. And I just felt this deep sense of just being overwhelmed. I feel like this fear kind of coming in, fear that used to be part of my life 25 years ago, and I've kind of done battle, done war with that, and know Jesus has provided this different way, and I found, well, where's that come from? And I, I, fortunately, I live with Lucy, so I'd heard Lucy in the morning, she's my wife, and so I get to talk to her, and I go, hey, I find myself just consumed by this. And she just turns to me and says, yeah, but isn't Jesus enough? She's not being harsh. She's saying, come on, let's, let's get your mind right. And so we then prayed together, and then for the next 24 hours, I just spent time just contemplating, reminding myself of just the wonder of what it means that Jesus is enough, because that's everything that Paul has been painting this picture, this canvas of, through the letter to the Philippians. And what I found is over that next 24 hours, my circumstances hadn't changed, but my perspective within them utterly was different. As I realized, Jesus, you really are enough, full stop. Because what I realized is, in the picture of Philippians, we discover that this Jesus enough, full stop, has concrete substance. It isn't just a snazzy catchphrase. And I want us just to take a moment, and we'll see how we go, as I've got quite a bit I want to get through, to just do this. I'm going to whiz through it, because today is not about this moment. Can you hear that? Today is not about this moment. It's about the moment that's going to come in the coming weeks, the coming months, coming years, when we suddenly feel like our circumstances are taking over. Maybe it's we feel like we've suddenly got more than we imagined. How do we navigate that? Maybe it's that we're at this point of feeling utterly overwhelmed, and in that moment, I want us to remember and take hold of the fact, oh no, Jesus, you're enough, and this is what this means. And therefore, I'd say, pull out your phone, make some notes. Take up a pen and paper, make some notes. Why? Because here's the thing that happens when you make notes. You remember a bit more. And also you record it in your own voice. So what happens then is then when you look at it again, you think, oh yeah, oh that's what it means. Jesus is enough means these things. So here you go, firstly, Jesus is enough, Paul reveals the wonder and the privilege of it is it promises that he is with and sustains us. Philippians 4.13 is all about this. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus is enough, promises he will always be with us. We are never alone. But not only is he with us, that word strength is an empowering word. It's the word of empowering that's like pointing us to the Holy Spirit, saying, yet the Holy Spirit is within you. In order that Jesus is not only with you, that he's promised, but he's within you as the Holy Spirit to cause you that you're never alone, yes, and also he can sustain you within your circumstances. He's one who's longing to bring you everything you need in this moment. I found this to be true. Up until the age of 40, I would say my life had been pretty good. I don't think I'd really known much of suffering. From the age of 40 over the last nine years, I've known more suffering than the rest of those three decades before. Now, there's many other ways I can look on the last nine years that have been phenomenal, loads of joy. 
as someone said this morning, I, I'm always an eternal optimist. There's always good that I can see. But one of the lenses is I've become familiar with suffering. Not that it's taken me out, but rather I've found something wonderful of this truth. That within all of the suffering, I found that I'm never alone. And Jesus, by the Spirit, continuously sustains me. So firstly, with and sustains us. Jesus enough promises that he defines us. Verse 4, 19. This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. See, at first glance, this can seem like it's a verse saying that, that God's going to be one who looks after our practical needs. Now, Paul is wanting us to get hold of that fact. He is the Father who will look after our practical needs. But he uses also some words that point to something at a far deeper level. A deeper level that's about defining who we are. He says that it's about the glorious riches in Christ. Now what that's meant to do for us is think, well, what are those glorious riches? Now Paul doesn't leave us like wondering, because we have a collection of letters that he's written to different churches. And so actually he spells out what is this glorious riches that we have in Christ that defines us to a different church in Ephesus. And you can find it in chapter 1, verses 3 to 8, where he just expresses just the wonder of what it means to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the riches of the glories in Christ. And then again, Paul's writing, just to give perspective again, from prison. And then we're not going to read all the words, but you can read it in your own time, meditate on it. But this is what you discover, is we are those now, because of Jesus, because of what he has done, because of his, the grace expressed through him, that's God's unconditional love and favor towards you, towards me, through his life, death, and resurrection, we are now those that are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We're united with Christ. Nothing can separate us. We are those who are loved, who are chosen, who are called to be holy, are now declared without fault. We're those now that have been adopted into God's own family. We belong forever. And God's done this because it brought him great pleasure. That we've been purchased, are free, that we've had forgiveness of our sins, they're never to be brought up again, and God has showered us his kindness on us. Man, I don't know what you think about when you're having a shower. Don't imagine me at this moment in the shower, you're all doing that. Um, but just imagine that, as you stood in the shower, just remember, like all that water pouring on you is God's kindness. God's kindness towards us. And there were those that have been filled with wisdom and understanding in order that we'd understand more and more how we're being defined by Jesus. This is who we are. Jesus is enough that redefines us. Jesus is enough that transforms us. Philippians 1.11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. Jesus is at work in us, making us more like him. In order that within our circumstances, we live and reveal more of him. It's not down to us. Isn't that good news? That Jesus is at work in us, seeking to do this. See, my red flag on Sunday night is I realized I was being overcome with my circumstances, and I suddenly realized this doesn't feel like I'm 
becoming more like Jesus. I don't feel like the, the fruit that's coming out here is fear. And what I found as I realized, oh no, Jesus, you're enough, is it began to transform me from inside out. In other words, I began to discover, oh yeah, how you live, Jesus, in this, how you're living with me in this, is you produce peace and you produce joy. Not because I'm an eternal optimist, oh no, because Jesus, you're enough. And you transform how we live. That, that is something that breaks in to the worlds that we come into contact with. People look and say, well, how can you be responding like that? Like, how come you're, you're just so open-handed with the stuff you have? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's because Jesus is enough. Transforming how I live. He satisfies us. Philippians 3.8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Jesus is enough is this continual invitation to know the beauty and the wonder of knowing Jesus. Do we really believe he satisfies us? I am discovering more and more, and it feels like an invitation daily, the more I get to know the wonder of who Jesus is, the more I realize he satisfies more than anything else. Anything I can ever want, everything, anything I can ever need. And it's only when I begin to feel consumed by those things, it takes my eyes off the prize, which is Jesus. And if I seek to know more of him, because I find that as I know more of him, he satisfies more of me. Like, how is that possible? Like, I seem to win through that. And because what it does is it reveals that as I become more and more satisfied in him, my life becomes one that's more of worship of him. He unifies us. Philippians 2.2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. See, the invitation that Jesus is enough is not just me and Jesus, it's us and Jesus. It reminds me that actually the scale of Jesus being enough is expressed by the multitude of people in this room and throughout the world, throughout the ages, that have discovered that Jesus is enough. And what it does is it then causes me not only to see the scale of how Jesus is enough, which allows me to then go and share that with others, it also causes me to realize that this then transforms how we relate to one another. That in me discovering the scale of Jesus being enough, it then causes me to then think, and Jesus, you're enough in order that in our differences, we can love and care for one another. In order that as we love and care for one another, we get to belong to this amazing family of people who are for us and not against us, who are after our best. And Jesus is enough makes us shine. Philippians 2.15, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. The world, when you flick on the news, just gets darker and darker. As William's already encouraged us, you know, we're, not, we're not coincidental, we're here to shine. We're here to shine. And that's not something we've got to work up, it's something that Jesus has placed in us 
as we live in the good of him being enough, it causes us to shine out to the world around us. And the beauty is that you and I have been uniquely placed in a variety of ways because God crafted you differently to me in order that he could reveal something of his goodness in how you are and how I am in the unique places we are, in the ways we speak, in the ways we act. So in Ephesians 2.10, Paul can write and say, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. You see, this brings purpose and dignity to each and every one of us. I don't know why you think you're here, but Jesus has called you up in his mission to cause this world to be filled with his goodness, mercy, love, and kindness. And therefore, he's brought dignity to what each and every one of us is involved in our day-to-day life. Because whatever we're doing, and you may think, well, this doesn't matter. Oh, no, it does. Because what you're involved in, Jesus has uniquely crafted you to be there in order that you could have this purpose of shining the wonder of the beauty of who he is. When that transforms, like the places we live, the places we shop, the the things we do for our work, the things we're doing in our retirement, our recovery, the things we're doing in our illness, the way we are in in kind of meeting people, it's suddenly you realize, oh God, the dignity in this that you've given me, purpose in it. And then finally, he brings us hope. Philippians 1.6. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it finally finishes on the day when Christ Jesus returns. The truth is this. Jesus is enough and he's going to see things through to completion in your life and my life. And we're not going to know that completion until that day that we've already sung of this this morning when we see him face to face. And therefore the promise is Jesus gets the final word, not your circumstances. The promise is that however good it feels is only going to get better when you finally see him. See, In this moment, I'm getting to reflect a lot. You see, 20 years ago, I got the privilege of taking on the leadership of this church. And what I'm doing, I don't often do this, so I tend to look forward, but I'm looking back at the moment. And what I'm realizing is, as I look back over the last 20 years, is I realize that I'm not who I was. Why? Because Jesus has transformed me into who I am today. But here's the joy part for me, is I'm also not who I'm going to be. As I look forward, I don't know, maybe I have got another 20 years left, not of leading Oasis, just 20 years on the earth. That's what I'm hoping for. Let's say I've got another 20 years. I hope, and I'm looking for, and I know Jesus isn't finished with me. Therefore, in 20 years' time, I'm not going to be who I am. And then there's going to come this moment where I see him face to face, and I'm forever transformed for eternity. We're a people of hope. See, Jesus is enough within our circumstances. And it liberates us because we get to know that it promises that he's the one who will be with us, sustains us, defines us, transforms us, satisfies us, unifies us, makes us shine, and brings us hope. Jesus is enough, has concrete substance. And therefore, that liberates us within the circumstances we're facing. 
To know this moment isn't the end of our story. To know this moment that actually all that I'm blessed with actually is just something that I get to care, take care of because it isn't a thing that defines me. It becomes a liberating moment where I don't need to compare how someone else's life is going because I know that my contentment is in Jesus being enough. And you see, Jesus enough invites me to that moment of contentment which impacts how I then live. See, Jesus is enough becomes an overflow into all that we see in the Philippian church and we see in Paul. See, Jesus enough overflows into generosity. It causes me to be one who is generous in my giving and in my receiving. Generous in my sharing of the beauty and wonder of who Jesus is. Jesus enough becomes his overflow into holiness. Holiness is that I am set apart to become more and more like Jesus. Not because I have to, not because I'm trying to earn something, but because of who I am now. Jesus is enough, like causes me to continuously daily say, your way, not my way. Causes me to say, hey, what's the stuff that's going on in my life that falls short of who you are, Jesus? Causes me to say, what does it look like for Jesus to live Adrian Hurst's life? That's an exciting way to live. Jesus enough overflows into thanksgiving. That I get to see God at work in my life, through my life, in the life of others, and through the life of others. That causes me, like Paul, to say, not only thank you to the individual, but thank you to God, because I can see you at work in my life and their life. And it overflows into joy. That regardless of circumstances, we get to know this deep, profound joy in the wonder of who Jesus is. That he truly truly is enough. And therefore, I want us just to finish in this moment to just come back, and we're going to sing together to end and just express our hearts that, Jesus, you truly are enough. And I'd encourage us, as we sing, Jesus, you are enough for, for me, for you, I'd ask us to do three things. In that moment, as we're singing, think, God, where, where is the spotlight on my life of areas where I'm not believing you're enough, that I need to repent of, that I need to say, no, I want to go your way, not my way. I promise they're there. Let's quickly turn to him, say, Jesus, I want you to be enough. And in repentance, let's then renew as we sing, saying, Jesus, I renew again that you truly are enough for me, and I want to live this way. And then we receive, saying, Jesus, again, I receive in this multifaceted way of you being enough for me. Mm-hmm.